Hello everybody, this is Jay Black's Daily Diary, something that I'll do every single day until I get tired of it and stop. Uh, I've been, uh, by the way, I almost put period at the end of that sentence uh, because I've been uh, doing so much composing with Siri that uh, I I punctuate now just any uh, words that I speak into my phone or iPad, which I... I don't know necessarily is a young or old thing to do. I'm told that young people don't necessarily use uh, voice to text, that their thumbs are still uh, nimble and their mind is still agile enough that they can uh, actually type out quick uh, little asides. Although I, I do wonder if part of the reason is like the text speak that they employ uh, with tons of emoji, lack of punctuation and misspelled words, it's actually easier to use uh, their thumbs than to speak. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm not criticizing. Again, I may, I say again, like I've said this before, if you know me, I'm a uh, descriptivist, a description guy when it comes to grammar, not a uh, prescription guy. So I think the, the fact that language is changing is just fine. I'm totally cool with it. I, I like to see it. I just want to know uh, specifically why using Siri uh, or, you know, really any uh, voice assistant to text is an old person thing. Or maybe it's an old person thing to be worried about that. I don't know. I feel like I'm going down an inception rabbit hole of worrying about my age. I'm not even really old or, or, or worried. <laughs> Talk about a Freudian slip. I'm actually okay uh, being old. I just kind of like to know where the culture stands. So a couple of changes this week, this week, this day. Folks, maybe I am old. There's a chance that I might actually be sliding into dementia as I record this uh, podcast slash diary. Uh, I'm going to avoid using the music bed for the entire episode. Um, if you listen to the first two episodes, which I I can't imagine you did, as uh, I have no listens uh, as far as the metrics go... Uh, you you would have heard that I did a music bed throughout the entire episode. It makes it very difficult to hear me. So uh, I'm going to eliminate that or maybe just start the episode with it and end the episode with it. And the meantime, just, you know, have me talking. Uh, secondly, uh, I've moved the microphone a little bit lower because I think it was a little bit too close to my face and difficult to hear. And it also led me to uh, maybe talk a little lower thinking that the microphone being close made it easy for you to hear me. Uh, again, this is a narcissistic rabbit hole that I'm going down anyway. This entire enterprise is a narcissistic rabbit hole. Uh, so I don't know why I'm necessarily concerned with boring you with the details of my life, uh, seeing as the entire purpose of this is the details of my life. I think it might be because, uh, yesterday, I was talking to my wife about this project, and uh, I said, you know, it doesn't really matter if nobody hears it. It would just be nice to have as a way to sort of be creative without necessarily sitting down and uh, organizing my thoughts into writing. Because I talk. Talking is easy for me. Writing becomes a little problematic because writing is lonely. And talking to you guys, whoever you might be, is not. I feel like you're my friends. Uh, or at least future me listening to this is my friend and understands me. It's like, you know, I feel like twins are probably always kind of uh, happy because they got another person that totally gets where they're coming from. But when I said this to my wife, she agreed and said, yeah, no, I, I totally think that's great. 
Plus the fact it'll be nice for your kids one day, 20 years from now, if you do this for a couple of years, which again, I think she's completely overestimating how much effort I plan to put in this daily project, uh, for your kids to listen and sort of know who their dad was. So all of a sudden, I've gone from I'm just sort of uh, masturbating uh, to I'm, I'm masturbating on film and <laughs> I want to get this right. So I'm sort of in my head at the idea that maybe one day my three children, or possibly 18 children, I don't know what I'm going to do in the next couple of years, um, are, are listening to me going, wow, dad was an asshole. I mean, I'm sure they'll think that already, but I don't want to give them actual proof of my being an asshole in a easy, uh, provable format like a podcast. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in a place here. I don't want to stop doing it. But on the other hand, I've all of a sudden become, uh, you know, I've bitten the apple. Eve has given me the apple and I realize that I'm naked. So here we are. Now, uh, I want to go through the news again, like always. Uh, I say like always. We've done this two times. I want to go through the news again like yesterday. Uh, but before I get there, I want to say that uh, I am, I, I'm feeling tired. I'm going to go to my doctor to deal with this. Uh, so what I'm saying right now about me being tired is either a nothing burger, to quote Donald Trump Jr., or some really eerie uh, foreshadowing about a cancerous tumor that I have and I will find out about in the coming weeks. So this is like cereal now, guys. You guys are hooked. Will Jay have a tumor? Find out in like three to seven weeks. I pro It's probably not a tumor. It almost never is. But uh, no matter how... Uh, much sleep I get, no matter how much coffee I drink, no matter how much exercise I get, I always feel like I could go right to sleep. My wife implied it might just be being an adult. Maybe 42 and having kids makes you tired all the time, or maybe I have a thyroid issue, or again, maybe there is a, uh, well, you know, I do have a little tumor. That's actually true. Uh, I had headaches uh, 20 years ago that were like, you know, real bangers, real uh, uh, Spencer for Hire bangers. Remember he was uh, Spencer for Hire did the Advil commercials way back when? I When I'm on set, I haven't got time for the pain. And you want to say to him like, well, you know, since Spencer for Hire, you really haven't done much. So maybe you do have time for the pain now. Unless he's dead, in which case I'm sorry for that entire riff. Uh, so yeah, uh, I, I've had I, 20 years ago I had really bad headaches and I went and got a, an MRI and they found a, a little tumor on my pineal gland, which I laughed at because that sort of sounds like penis gland. Uh, and they said it was nothing to worry about. So now, as I'm talking to you about this, I'm now remembering that I do have a tumor, and I'm also remembering that what if it's growing and I'll be dead soon? You know, the problem with getting healthy and taking like massive uh, doses of antidepressants is all of a sudden you care about stuff like that. I don't want to die. You know. Three years ago, this would have been a godsend. Oh, I'm dying? Great. I have to do it myself. I mean, I kind of want to live, and this is shitty. I don't want to I don't have a tumor. <laughs> it would be funny if I'm leaving this archive for my kids, and there's only like seven episodes because I die from a tumor next week. I mean, it wouldn't be funny necessarily. I mean, from a cosmic perspective. Like, if I wake up in the afterlife, and I'm there with, like, Jesus and God and, like, uh, Sonny Bono, which I imagine those are the three people that greet you when you die. Um, and they're all like, dude, yeah, I can't believe 
you thought that this was going to be a daily project that lasted years when the tumor already had its hooks in you. How could you possibly be so stupid? Uh, and we'd have a laugh about it then. I mean, in the, the earthly sense of it, it is tragic. But in the cosmic sense, it would be kind of funny. All right, enough of that talk. Uh, let's get to the news, everybody. Let's see what's going on. And again, I am reading this live uh, with you. So I, I, my comments will be off the cuff, everybody. Um, here we go. Subreddit. I should have had this ready to go. Like you, I know that this is informal, but I'm already embarrassed now that I didn't have it ready to go and then I have to talk through it. All right. Trump says he doesn't care about predicted U.S. national debt explosion because I won't be here. You know, it's say what you want about Trump. It's nice for someone to so perfectly encapsulate the thinking of the baby boomers for the last 70 years or so. As a Generation Xer, Uh, I can tell you we are the smallest of the three generations currently sort of vying for control of the country. Baby boomers being the the older people and the millennials being the younger people. We're like a little tiny generation stuck in between. And we've spent a lot of years not giving a shit. You have to understand, Gen X came up at a time when not giving a shit was considered the epitome of cool. Think uh, Ethan Hawke in Reality Bites. Right? Like, I'm just going to wear my flannel and grow out my goatee and spend all my time talking about how corporations are bad without really even caring or understanding why. So that's my generation. So I look at the baby boomers and the millennials and I see, number one, millennials, they, yeah, they're up their own asshole, but at least they're trying to get some work done in the dark versus the baby boomers who are literally vampires. Guys, you grew up. The greatest generation, which I have some contention with that moniker for the greatest generation. Either way, greatest generation gave you the first example of what it was like to be a teenager. They gave you prosperity. They gave you, uh, you know, an American century. And you guys just took a bunch of drugs. And when it was all like marijuana, you guys were great. The, the, the summer love, I'm 100%. The Boomers invented Sgt. Peppers. Fantastic. Then the 70s hit, you motherfuckers started doing cocaine, and everything went to shit, and you've been vampires ever since. So, you know, say what you want about Trump. At least he is speaking for all baby boomers now by saying, yeah, we screwed up, but who gives a shit? We'll be dead soon. So, uh, you know, kudos to the president on that. Um... Trump is reportedly not worried about a massive U.S. debt crisis as he'll be out of office by then. Okay, so same, same headline twice. After years of fear-mongering, mythical threat of voter fraud, GOP silence now deafening as real election fraud exposed in North Carolina. We talked about this yesterday, folks, and yeah, it's, it's funny to me. It's more sad than funny. I, I think that I have a certain degree of well-honed cynicism for the day-to-day machinations of the bullshit politics we all deal with. But when the hypocrisy this vivid comes across my screen, that's when I get actually sad. You know, I, one of the things that I always get queasy about is mental gymnastics. And I can see the mental gymnastics on the right. In, in this particular instance. I can see them working through why this isn't a big deal, yet the idea that perhaps six or seven Mexicans are voting without ID is the gravest threat to our democracy ever. It, it's hard, you know, at least Trump, when he said, I won't be here, was honest. 
Just stand up, North Carolinian Republicans, and say, hey, we're racist. When white people do it, it's A-OK. If a Mexican cleaning lady uh, does it, that is, that is grave threat because we don't want those people voting. So, so just say it, and I would respect you more. But, you know, the, the, the level of mental uh, gymnastics here is astounding. The level of hypocrisy here is astounding. And it really makes me sad that, um, you know, the people who purport to protect our rights are lying sacks of shit. There's finally a persuasive case of election fraud and Republicans don't care. So there's several articles about this. Election expert, Wisconsin GOP's power grab is a textbook example of how democracies die. If you're not following this, Scott Walker and the GOP in Wisconsin are, are doing their best right now to strip as much power um, from certain ballot initiatives and the incoming uh, uh, Democratic governor as they can during this lame uh, duck session. And here's what I think is happening, in all honesty. I think the GOP understands that their days are numbered. I think they know that the cultural shift that's happening in the United States, both demographically and uh, politically, is one in which being a conservative is going to be uh, equated with being a, a racist fear monger. So, you know, they can see their numbers dwindling. So I think right now there used to be a time when conservatism wasn't infected by the Tea Party and Donald Trump. Conservatism was a, a, a different path towards the same goal as the Democrats. Both of them wanted to grow the economy. Both of them wanted to ensure that everybody was well taken care of. They just had different points of view of how to do it. Conservatives wanted to facilitate people doing it on their own, and Democrats thought that the government's job was to give them a hand up. And that was it. That was basically the difference. Foreign policy aside, domestically they both had the same goal, and they could both expect that the, the swinging pendulum of the country would sometimes sweep Democrats in office, sometimes sweep conservatives, but there would not be a situation in which one party was constantly in power. I think what's happening is the Republican Party is dying, and it knows it's dying. So the way it's handling things is to say, we're going to destroy the, the, the democracy on our way out because we know that we're not gonna get elected again. So sort of the, uh, the, the laws of decorum where we won't do this because we don't want you to do this when you're in power, no longer play because they're not worried about the Democrats doing it when they get into power because they know the Republicans will never get into power again. Republicans know they'll never get into power again. I think that's what's going on here. And I think that the Republican Party, it, it, unless Trump goes full dictator, unless the GOP fall behind him and we have an autocrat elected for life, uh, I think what's going to happen is we're seeing the seeds of what the Republican Party will morph into. That there's going to be, you know, right now the fringe is in charge. It's going to eventually splinter off and become the new white nationalist party or whatever. And the conservatives, the, the William F. Buckley's of the world, uh, the George Conways of the world will uh, you know, recreate something that isn't the Republican Party, that doesn't carry that baggage, that they're going to say, hey, look, conservatism is alive and well, and you know, the Joe Scarboroughs of the world will lead that charge. And I think what's happening, and I think Wisconsin is the, 
the, the test bed for it is this idea of scorched earth policy. Guys, we're dying. It doesn't matter. Let's screw things up as much as possible in our direction and worry about the consequences later because chances are there isn't a later for us. So I'm not saying don't be worried about this because it is awful, but I do think that's the silver lining of it is that these types of people understand that they're being uh, eradicated in our country. A couple more here. Uh, de uh, debate over term limits for Supreme Court gains new life. I'm in favor of this. And I understand the idea that you didn't, you know, you, you give them uh, seats for life because you didn't want, uh, you didn't want uh, them to be influenced uh, by outside forces. But I think that was created at a time when, like, you know, you, you appoint somebody for life, it meant, like, six years because they're going to get cholera or they're going to get, like, I don't know, like, what's an old person disease? Like smallpox. You know, they're, they're going to get the, the plague and die. So, like, it was a good idea when, like, appointing somebody at 42 meant that they would have three years in office because they're going to get bit by a lizard and die on their, their farm. Uh, bit by a lizard and died on their farm. I'll be honest with you, I know nothing about uh, wildlife or farming or anything. Uh, so I, I like the idea of uh, term limits here. I think that can only be good. And it would stop people running on the Supreme Court. Because I, I do think that the conservative Christians of the world, who it, just on paper should hate Donald Trump, should look at him as an immoral man, are willing to hold their nose and accept him, and again, go through mental gymnastics, which I hate, to support him, because you, they know that Donald Trump will support Supreme Court justices who will help their cause. I think if you give term limits, you know, it sort of makes it easier again to vote your conscience. All right, let's see. Do, 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 do. Best strategy for the House Dems, fight for major reforms. Sure, the Senate will block them, but pushing things like a Green New Deal and Medicare for All will act energize grassroots activities uh, and supercharge the uh, coming presidential primary. Agree, 100%. 100%, I agree. Now's not the time to find the center. Clintonian politics died in 2016. It's time to swing hard left. Don't do the, uh, the impeachment. Don't impeach. I'm telling you, let Mueller do his work. And if the support drops off in the country far enough that the Republicans actually grow a spine and decide that they're going to uh, help you get rid of this guy, only approach it then. Do not impeach. Focus on Green New Deal. I think that's a great way of phrasing it. I think that uh, we all understand some, some shit's happening. You know, my children listening to this in the future might be doing it from a space station because they're the only ones left alive as the Earth is now 160 degrees. Uh, and by the way, I'm speaking in Fahrenheit, European listeners who don't exist. Uh, so Green New Deal, great idea. And Medicare for all, finally, finally, the Democrats have figured out a way to frame things so that people in the uh, Midwest can understand. And listen, people in the Midwest, I know you're not all dumb, but let's be clear, a lot of you are, and a lot of you need it phrased simply. 
I know I'm going to get letters from my non-existent Midwestern listeners, but I've been there, and there's a reason why uh, there's not a lot of cosmopolitanism in the Midwest. It isn't because you are simple down-home people that just like simple American values. They exist everywhere. It's just that the people who are really, really smart and really, really creative and really, really uh, driven to do great things move. You don't stay in Wisconsin if you want to change the world. You go to New York, you go to L.A., you go to Paris, you go to London. You go to places where shit is actually done. So there is a brain drain that is happening in the Midwest. You know it is existing, and you're, you're insecure about it, so you vote Trump because you go, well, that guy makes me feel good about being a big white dummy, so be clear about it. The East Coast and the West Coast are smarter than you because all the smart people left the Midwest because there's nothing to do there, and there's no greatness happening in the Midwest. Sorry, just the facts. <laughs> I sound like my dad. My dad would say crazy Republican things and then just go, sorry, just the facts. And it always drove me nuts. Uh, point is, we all are our parents. Dow dives 400 points, wiping out its gains for the year. You know, I, I've, I've had trouble with this my whole life. Uh, my dad was an economist and a banker. So he always followed the stock market very closely, which in turn meant I followed the stock market very closely. And I would always get very nervous about swings like this. I, what's interesting about the stock market is that the stock market isn't a barometer of how business is doing. The stock market is a barometer of how we think business is doing. So, you know, reporting on it in such a negative, out, you know, uh, outspoken way, in such an outsized way, tends to continue the cycle going. Because if you're scared about the stock market, you don't invest in the stock market, and then the stock market goes down. It's all self-fulfilling prophecy. So I never get too excited when they say the stock market's doing great, because that's just the, the beast feeding itself in a, in a good direction versus the stock market uh, going down, which is the beast feeding itself in a negative direction. I, I don't think reporters are necessarily responsible when it comes to reporting on the stock market. Uh, and again, I'm not saying fake news because I believe 100% that this is uh, real. I just think that it's irresponsible when they report on it in such um, you know, enthusiastic tones. After Trump said he answered Mueller's questions very easily, Giuliani says it was a nightmare. Oh, really? Is there lying and obfuscation going on in the Trump presidency? Uh, great. Could not believe it. Factory orders fall 2.1% in October, third drop in four months, um, which that's a better indicator that the economy might not be doing as well as possible. Uh, but again, listen to how that's framed. Factory orders fall 2.1% in October, third drop in four months. I get you don't like the president, but when you report on it in this way, it makes the problem seem worse, and then I think the problem gets worse. So I don't think you lie. I do think you just have to be as flat as possible. Factory orders fall 2.1%. That's it. That's all we need. Every president recited the Apostles' Creed except Trump. I have no problem with this. I'm not a religious man. I don't think Trump needs to be a religious man. Uh, that said, I do think it's important for uh, uh, Christians to understand this guy is not a Christian. Beto O'Rourke's team has been talking to Obama political operatives in Iowa and New Hampshire as 2020 momentum builds. I'm going to end on this. I don't think 
uh, Beto O'Rourke might be our, our ticket in. I honestly think right now Joe Biden with either, either O'Rourke or Warren or you know, uh, Kamala Harris or some Bernie, some kind of, well, Bernie, that would be like the average age of that ticket would be 195 uh, years old. I think that some combination of Biden plus an extreme leftist is our best path to the presidency because we're trying to unseat an incumbent. And that, that means taking all those dummies in the Midwest. Again, not all of you in the Midwest are dummies, just a lot of you. And making sure that they vote for the left candidate. I don't think you do that with a uh, person with extreme left views. I just, I just don't think you do. And maybe this is me being too conservative, but I think that there is a, uh, you know, understanding that a Joe Biden presidency would be one term. So if you link him up with a far left uh, running mate, the implication there would be, you know, let's make Joe Biden the bridge to the future and then the vice president will be the future and go from there. All right, listen, I have a coffee poop that is brewing. I'm going to sign off here and say thank you so much for listening. If you are listening, chances are you're not. But if you are, thank you. And uh, I'll be back tomorrow unless I get tired of this.